0: Welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast. This week, we're really excited to have Julie Kwan from PPAI join us. Julie leads the diversity and inclusion initiative for Promotional Products Association International. A certified facilitator in Fierce Conversations, Julie has a passion for helping employees build relationships and engage with their teams, colleagues, and clients. She wrote a diversity, equity, and inclusion playbook to make diversity and inclusion actionable for business owners and their leaders with the goal of providing equitable, inclusive workplaces. So today, Julie is joining myself, Kate Plummer from Clearmount, and Johanna Gottlieb from Access Promotions to sort of talk about what this means for our industry and the work that she's done for PBI. So welcome, Julie.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Completely our pleasure. It's been an interesting time. So to give context to everyone, we're doing this on June 12th in the afternoon. and So much has happened in the past few weeks, and you've been doing this for years, but this time more than ever feels like your work is crucial to the growth of the industry and what we do. And we wanted to bring you on to talk about your playbook and what you see happening and what we can do to be better. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about your role at PPAI.
1: Yeah, so I joined PPAI a couple of years ago, and I actually wear a few hats. I've recently stepped into leadership of our certification program and planning for our North American Leadership Conference. I plan our Women's Leadership Conference. And I would say that my primary hat, though, is building a diversity and inclusion program. And my big goal there is to really expand our perspectives on what diversity means. I think when most people hear diversity, they think Black or woman or young, but it's so much more than that. And so when I stepped into this role I realized that's really where I need to start is kind of get back to that baseline of what does diversity really mean? What is inclusion? And then provide some tools for members in our industry to be able to move the needle on that within their own organizations, thereby moving the needle for the industry.
2: I love that. And anyone that hasn't had a chance to read what you've put together this last year should. I know it's not a light read, but I took some time to go through the playbook the other day and was pretty impressed. Thank you. So that kind of leads me into my question. You recently completed a diversity playbook. It's definitely very comprehensive and well done. I love how it starts, and I'm going to quote you here. Quote, whenever I meet professionals in the promotional products industry, nearly every conversation begins the same. Hi, my name is Julie. I'm the Diversity and Learning Engagement Manager at PPAI. And oftentimes, the response received is a rendition of the following. Oh, we definitely need more diversity in this industry. It's mostly old white men. So you've got your work cut out for you. For the old white men reading this, there's nothing wrong with being old, white, or male. You have helped grow this industry tremendously. Your commendable hard work has positively impacted a lot of people from your employees to their families, your clients and end users you possess great experience and we can learn from you though people often look at you as belonging to one group a great deal of diversity lies within each of you is diverse in your experiences your interest and the very thoughts that inform the work you do and how you contribute to this industry End quote so I know that was a lot to share but I did really like that as a starting point because I've been hearing that a lot lately too this is such a industry of old white men a Like that's been said way too much this week. And I personally feel it's a really powerful way to start your playbook. And if I could add something here, I would say, yes, many people in this industry are white men who are older. And I hope they're listening to this. They have so much to offer and they have a voice and they have a say. And now more than ever they can use their voice and work together with us.
1: Would you agree with that, Julie? Yes. When I was writing this, I sat down to write this and I was like, you know what? Like I need to write to these men and acknowledge the impact that they've had. They've really helped drive this industry and they're continuing to. And if we're going to see change, they need to be a part of that. And I think older white men get put in this box and then discounted because of what they look like. And I don't think that's fair to them. I think in this time that we find ourselves in speaking about racial and social injustice, particularly toward the Black community, white men are afraid to even enter into the conversation because they may say something wrong or get attacked for what they do say or whatever. I think there's a lot of fear that's been built into that. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that they are a part of this conversation. And if our industry is primarily consists of older white men, then they do need to be a part of the change and they need to be drawn into the conversation.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. Like if anyone listening hasn't looked at this playbook yet, I highly suggest it just, you can be like, we're fine. We're diverse enough and everything else, but it's an amazing breakdown on how to do a self-analysis of your viewpoint on the world and sort of your viewpoint for running a company too. Like, even have an amazing section on how to give proper feedback, like real constructive feedback versus like, great job. And so when you were kind of building this out, like bringing in the thoughts of the people reading this may not think that it's a problem or the people who are reading it think it's a problem and want to know how to address it. So how did you kind of break down what you were going to do for it?
1: For writing this playbook? Yeah. (laughs) I will confess, before I started this role, I didn't know as much. I think I had kind of that same perception of the words diversity and inclusion that I think a vast majority of the world does. And as I dug in and I did the research and I learned more, I realized this is so important. And most people, like I said, go to either race or gender or age when they think of diversity, but I really felt it was important to take a step back and look at diversity holistically and then understand the tie that it has to inclusion and the workplace and the culture that you have within your workplace. And when I start saying that, it becomes kind of overwhelming. And I think that's been a big thing as to why we may not have seen as much progress in that area in the workplace because it feels overwhelming. I think people will acknowledge that diversity is important and that people want to feel like they belong but then the question becomes where do I even start so i really wrote this playbook with the intention of breaking it down and making it less scary if you will and then providing just steps to take because i think that overwhelming sense becomes paralyzing and then nothing changes it's so true i think less scary is a great way to put it. I know there's been so many
2: conversations in the last couple of weeks, and so many emails, and I'm seeing it with my own two eyes, people a little more hesitant to respond than they used to be, or maybe picking up the phone to call me to not put something in writing versus just saying it or having a conversation, which is is fine. I definitely feel people are worried about saying the right thing, saying the wrong thing, saying nothing. So the more that we have this, conversation and podcasts like this and content like this in our industry. I think the more the older white men of the industry can feel, they can help us out along with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So with your playbook that just happened to come out earlier this year, what are some of your goals over the next year or so in our industry, in the diversity arena?
1: I think kind of that bigger goal from a PPAI perspective is creating opportunities for people to connect. Back to that comment of like, everybody sees an industry full of older white men. I think there is diversity within our industry. I think there are a lot of minorities in our industry. They're just not as engaged because when they walk into the room, they may not feel like they belong. And so I am working on ways to create spaces for them to feel like they can connect with other people who may look like them or who they can relate to a little bit better and that way they feel more comfortable being at events and being engaged in the industry i also am eager to work with companies within our industry to take this diversity equity and inclusion playbook and actually like workshop it let's get in a room with a couple of your leaders or key people in your organization to figure out and complete these assessments that are built into the playbook to take a hard look at your business practices and people practices to find and identify maybe some possible places for change and actually take action on that. Those are kind of like the bigger overarching goals, and there are a lot of different ways to accomplish that, but I think even just having these conversations is a great way to get started. And this moment in time that we find ourselves in is a great way for us to really gain some of that attention and open up the conversation.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I love that you want to kind of get into the different companies and say, here it is. What I find amazing about this is a lot of the times there's the obstacle of like, oh, no, we're fine. Or no, you know, the best person gets the job. You have numbers in your playbook that just astound me. And it's something I've always known and something I've always like, argued about is like there's a financial benefit to being a diverse company. So you quote Ernst & Young, which has highly diverse and inclusive teams, have 57% better collaboration, 19% higher retention, 45% more market share, and 70% more success in the new markets. That just kind of blows my mind. I feel in this case that your argument should be like, would you like to make some more money? (laughs) So what sort of obstacles do you encounter in doing outreach like this and having your playbook out there?
1: I would say that's been one of the big obstacles is getting people to listen. I've been to industry events. I've spoken at industry events and participation is low. People don't make that immediate connection to the bottom line with diversity and inclusion. And I think people understand it's important, but they don't see that connection to the bottom line. And I can tell you all day long that I can't make you see that. And so engagement and action were challenging to drum up because it is an uncomfortable topic for many, and it doesn't seem to be perceived as a priority. But I think we're in this interesting time where we're seeing a radical shift. It's almost as if the world is being shaken and in a new way. I think in the last few weeks, I've had many members reach out asking, what can I do? I had to kind of struggle through that myself over the last few weeks of what can I do? Aside from, you know, storming Capitol Hill for legislative change, um, you know, like, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think we should. And there are things that we can do in our day to day that have a huge impact. And I'm having those conversations daily, both internally at PPAI and externally with members. Um, People are stepping into those difficult conversations and people are still uncomfortable. Many feel like they need permission to speak openly about race a lot of people i think are still afraid to even just say the words but they're leaning in and i think there's a greater willingness in this moment in time to step into that conversation and figure out what can i do and that's really what i love like i'm so excited about this i hate to say that i'm excited because of the way that this conversation has come about with the death of black men and women in our society but it is bringing change. And I think people who weren't necessarily as aware of it before, aware of the need before are becoming aware.
0: It's amazing that it's part of the greater conversation right now. And the worst thing is like it came about, but the other worst thing is like, this isn't new. This isn't something that surprised us. This has been happening for ages. And so when you give that advice to people, like when people reach out to you, do you give them like immediate changes? Like here are three things you can do right now, or here is something that you need to act on. Like what sort of advice do you give?
1: I think the first thing I always try to do is just ask some questions and learn kind of what's their perspective. What are they wrestling with? Um, I will say like, I'll use the conversation I had the other day as an example. I had somebody reach out from a member company, a distributor company saying. I don't know what to do with this, but I think I need to do something and I need help. And so we got on the phone and, you know, she said, I'm just a sales coordinator. And I said, no, you are a sales coordinator and you have a voice and change happens from any level of an organization. So I think reassuring people and giving them the confidence to have those hard conversations within their companies. And I feel like a lot of my conversations have kind of turned that way. And then also just asking questions to see what their thoughts are on their organization and where they could change. I do point people towards that playbook because I think it does give some practical first steps. And I offer, take a look through this. And then when you're ready, let's actually sit down and work through it together. This is a marathon, it's not a sprint and it's gonna take time, but you have to start somewhere. And we do need the leaders of our organizations being involved in this and invested in it because they have those decision making abilities for an organization and anybody in the organization can start the conversation.
2: Right. And I think you're right, we do need to just continue to boost confidence whether you're a minority or not minority, just about what you have to say and how to say it and if it's okay and giving people that just little push. This came up on the podcast with, I'm not sure if you heard with Kiani and Sonia the other day, we were talking about even confidence from within ourselves and being able to speak and have the feeling of authority that we have a voice and that people will listen and want to listen and not just that we're token people saying what we want to say.
1: Absolutely. I will say like, I'm in a season of I'm finding my voice and I'm learning to use it well. We all have a voice and sometimes it just takes a minute to figure out how do I use my voice to impact change?
2: Yeah, this came up on a call yesterday, an internal company call that we had. It's an interesting time for so many reasons, right? We're still in a pandemic. We've all adjusted to working from home and now things are Slightly starting to open up depending on where you are. Most people are trying to get back into some sort of normal, bringing people back to work, maybe limited staff in offices. And someone made a good point about people of minority actually feeling uncomfortable going back to work and not necessarily scary, but more dealing with new feelings that weren't there a week, two weeks, a month, three months ago. So, on top of dealing with the pandemic and everyone's opinions on that and the fear around that, there's this sort of new fear and this new thing hanging over our heads, right? A new elephant in the room to talk about. So it's just been a lot for everyone, no matter what you look like. I think we have to be empathetic to that as well. We, I keep on using the term big feelings. There's a lot of big feelings right now, big feelings about the pandemic, big feelings about racism in America. And I think we have to keep on giving each other a break every now and then just because we're all going through it.
1: Yeah. And I think the important thing there is to listen and allow that space for people to feel their feelings and process it in a healthy way. Yes, we're there to work and we're still human and we need some space sometimes to process those feelings. Exactly. So in some of the work that you've been doing, have you encountered any major obstacles? I think the major obstacles for me just trying to get out there with this message of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think sometimes it's just even knowing where to start and who to talk to. You know, I've been slowly working on building some connections. I didn't grow up in this industry. I'm fairly new to it, you know, within the last few years. And so still learning who's who and who do I need to talk to? And now it's this new conversation of like, Hey, who are the minority businesses in our industry? And so I think there's just a lot of knowledge to be gained in that. And then also figuring out how to encourage people in this moment to continue the conversation and not just let it be a moment in time, but be an impetus for long-term change. I think the other challenge. Is knowing the best ways to connect people you know I've had a lot of suggestions or questions about how do we create some sort of diversity community or network of people who are considered diverse, which I think has a very broad perspective and broad meaning, so it's like how do we best message that so that it is inclusive at the same time? Does that make sense? does
0: yeah. So, starting something like that is really hard because it's kind of not, this is going to be weird to say, but like, how do you draw the lines on who's allowed in that community? Because you want to make it as open and and inclusive as possible, but you also really want to make it for the people who felt isolated in the other groups. Exactly. So, for people in the community who are LGBTQA, are people of color, are minorities, what would you give them as advice for the next step on starting something like this? How do they make their voice heard? Because I've heard from someone earlier this week where they felt like the industry, even things like Promo Kitchen and PPI, just didn't feel like events for them because they didn't feel like they identified with it. So for them to kind of start from scratch, how do they get started to be part of this now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a tough question.
0: <laughs> We're I, here for the hard questions, Julie. I know <laughs> your job's not an easy one.
1: <laughs> you know, it's an excellent point because I've heard that from people before. People who are a minority don't feel comfortable coming to events, and it almost feels trite to say, "Come anyway." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Because they've grown the courage to go before and still felt left out. And so to grow the courage again is really challenging. I've been through that and it's hard. And so, you know, I am looking for ways at, you know, PPAI Expo or any other industry events that PPAI runs. I am looking for ways to do that. And so I'm open to suggestions. Email me, reach out to me. Julie K at PPAI.org. I want to hear those suggestions so that I can figure out, you know, what's on your mind, what would make you feel comfortable, what is a type of event that would entice you or encourage you to come to the PPAI expo so that I can take those into consideration and build something that is for you. I work also internally just to find images and what we're promoting in order for people who are minorities to identify with the people that they're seeing in the marketing pieces and the collateral. That can be a challenge sometimes, as we've already recognized. A lot of times it's hard to see the diversity on the show floor, but it is something that we are aware of and working toward. So please be encouraged that we are aware and we're working toward it and we need help sometimes.
0: Yeah, I would say, at promo kitchen joe and i this is something that means a lot to both of us as well and so if you want to cc us in on those emails it's info at promokitchen.com and Julie, even for promo kitchen would you have some advice for us on what we could do to tackle this to make our events more inclusive to make our mentorship program more inclusive for companies even the larger ones who are like okay we've got to think about diversity now what would you suggest to them as what they could do or what they should look at in their organizations before they even start this?
1: A few things have kind of crossed my mind. I think y'all are doing a great job even just having these conversations for other people to listen and to gain some perspective or kind of expand their perspective. So like the Racism in America podcast that you did with Kiani and Sonia, That was fantastic. And it's an open, candid conversation. And I think it starts with conversation, even internally to an organization listening. And I think it's all about relationships. So when you're listening to the people within your organization and hearing from them what their concerns are and being real, actually being authentic and asking because you care and you want to help make changes that creates safe spaces for conversations that bring about change. And when people know that you're invested in them and really care, then I think that br- will bring about a greater impact. And um, I think that's something that even in my personal life with my friends, like I had friends struggling through, how do I even go about having these conversations? And I think what I came around to is like, yes, yes, you can be a part of larger changes across America and you can have an impact on the people that are immediately around you every day in the workplace, your clients, the people that you just come across in the store, you know, which I'm probably expanding (laughs) the conversation (laughs) and the answer, but I do think that's the most effective way to start change.
0: Yeah. A lot of self-introspection is needed at this point and the one suggestion i would have would be don't turn to your friends of color and be like educate me there are so many resources out there that you can take to educate yourself like learn what microaggressions are learn what diversity means learn what inclusion means yeah start the conversations and then listen before you talk essentially and there's so many tools like even just the playbook just read the playbook and you'll it's a great starting off point and then contact Julie for talking about it in your diversity in your company. You no, know, just look at the numbers. You make more money that way. If we can't get you on the equality, we'll get you on
2: capitalism. Yes, <laughs> cash <laughs> is king. <paying.
0: laughs> exactly. You know, Paul is probably shaking his head, going, "No, not the message we want, Kate." But unfortunately, money talks sometimes.
1: <laughs> it does, and I think you don't necessarily. Have to have the most diverse sales staff. I encourage it. But if you're not in that place to be able to add to your sales team, educate your sales team for a person that's for any person, really. I think it's looking even in your circle of influence outside of work. You know, how diverse is that? Because you can learn from people and their experiences. And that translates to empathy when you're in a sales conversation. It translates to being better able to identify the needs of your client, regardless of whether or not they look like you. And that translates to a sale. And that's how it hits your bottom line, right? That's how it, it impacts your sales in a positive way.
0: It is true, is that the more your clients are looking this way, like we tend as an industry to move a little bit slower and we shouldn't be moving slower on looking at our industries and being like, why are we so white? Why are we so male? where are the young people? And because that's sort of what the future looks like. And it makes sense that we want to be as inclusive as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not that you need to go and fire all the white people in your organization to <laughs> replace them with, with people of color. I think that's absolutely not the answer. <laughs>
0: yeah, Paul well, definitely doesn't want that to be the answer. Either.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. It's just, as you're able to grow your team, okay, look at different ways to source candidates. And different ways to recruit and and also educate your staff on how to relate to people who don't think like them, who don't look like them, who have different backgrounds than them, because those are all points of diversity.
2: Julie, tell us about what being a minority means to you.
1: Sure. So I will start by saying I am a Chinese American. I was born here in the United States. And it's A hard thing to identify as American and Chinese sometimes. Minority, I think, particularly in light of today's conversation that's focused around Black Lives Matter and the Black community, which is absolutely important. And I'm not trying to take away from that. But when people sometimes say minority, I feel like they often mean Black. Or when they say people of color, they often mean Black and they forget that there are other races like Asians. And Native Americans and Latinos, the list goes on. But minority truly means anybody from any of those races.
0: And it's interesting, too, that in this industry, there can be a perception that Asian isn't the minority because we do so much sourcing from China that when you're talking about minority owned businesses, it's Black owned businesses. And so it's sort of how do you have that conversation with someone or how do you get them? to kind of fight against that perception.
1: Yeah, it's a challenge. We source a lot of product from China and there is often a perception, even outside of our industry, that products from China are cheap. And so there becomes this bias against Chinese. And I've even experienced it recently with the coronavirus. You know, we had a leader of our country call it the Chinese virus, which then perpetuated racism against asians in america and we've seen attacks and so when i leave my house it does cross my mind like hey if somebody sees me i could get attacked and i may be going on a bit of a tangent here but there is a lot of bias and i think it's speaking to kind of what i was talking to earlier it's about relationship and seeing people for who they are and not for what they look like if that makes sense Because we're all human and we're all individuals and our skin color doesn't define who we are. So I think when we're talking in business and we hear those things, it's up to each of us to kind of correct that and to engage in that conversation to help people expand their definitions.
0: Yeah. One of the frustrating pushbacks that you can get or the comments that you can get is like, oh no, I think just the best person should be hired for the job. But unfortunately, that doesn't take in all the factors of like, was everyone given the same opportunities? Do you have the same worldview as that person? And that worldview can be shaped by the fact that you are suburban, white, male in this town versus minority, grew up in a city. Like, so many factors can shape your opinion. So it's like, are you looking for the best person? Or are you looking for someone who's just like you? And unfortunately, a lot of people can default to that. While Just like me is important.
1: Yeah. I used to teach an interviewing program, teaching people how to interview for behaviors. And one of the things that we had to fight against was oh, you just had a great conversation with that person. So you really like them and you think they'd be the best person for the job because they connected versus this other person who actually fit the better behaviors, better skills, but may not have connected as well. And so I think that is an important thing to be aware of when we're talking to people.
0: Yeah. And unconscious bias is such a factor that you don't even realize it sometimes. And I think an awareness of it can affect the way that you do business, the way you interview, the way you deal with customers, the way you deal with your own staff. And so what would be your suggestion for someone to kind of fight against unconscious bias? Besides figure out what it is. (laughs) Step one. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) What's step
1: two? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to realize everybody has unconscious bias. I have it too. And the more I've learned, the more aware of it I am. And so thinking about it as I'm talking to people or looking at a resume or about to have a conversation about diversity or whatever it may be, just reminding myself mentally, just taking a moment to say, okay, doesn't really matter. What this person looks like, or what my bias is, give this person a fair chance and try to be as objective as possible. I think there's always going to be some bias within us, but being aware is huge. And I will say, like, I read an article written by a black man, and the title was A Message from the Token Black Friend. And reading through that, I was like, oh my gosh, because I joke about being the token agent, you know, in whatever circle I'm in. And it, pointed out, like I even kind of make some of those jokes and do some of those things. And so it's made me so much more aware of how I engage with my friends and how I represent myself as a minority in circles that can sometimes be primarily white. My hand is raised. Also guilty. Also guilty. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh, I do that so much more than I thought.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: So I think we've given some good tips to
2: anyone who feels like they should find their voice. And on a larger level, there's so many organizations, large and small, within PPAI. What advice can you give to anybody listening on how to take their first steps within their own companies?
1: I'd say start somewhere. And I feel like I've said that several times today, but it does feel like you've know you got this elephant in front of you and you've got to eat the whole thing. We'll just start with one little bite. And a lot of that is that self-reflection of where are you today? and What are your thoughts? And then having perspectives other than your own to learn from. I think if you're in a position of leadership or management, look for ways to elevate people who are different than you and learn from the people that are on your team. They all have voices. And so just take some time to listen and learn. and. If you're not in a position of leadership or management, that's okay too. Use your voice. Find somebody who will listen or just ask to be heard and have that conversation. And then start taking a look internally. Maybe just pick one area if that helps. Just pick one area, whether it's recruiting or just the marketing collateral that you use to market your company. Are there diverse pictures of people? Mm -hmm. there are simple ways that you can start and then keep going from there. It's not going to be a one and done solution. It's something that it's always going to be evolving and we can always grow in. Yeah, great points. Well,
2: you have been so helpful and so informative today and we really appreciate your time. I know you're really busy. Is there anything that you want to close this up with? Any final words from you?
1: I just want to encourage everybody that's listening to keep having those conversations. I know it's making people uncomfortable, but we don't grow unless we're uncomfortable. And that's something that I have to remember in my own life is like, Ugh, this is really uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to be a better person because of it. So keep being uncomfortable because that's how change comes about. And I know this feels like kind of a big overwhelming concept, but there are small things that we can do each day just to even identify our biases. We all have biases and they're informed by the things that we heard growing up, the things that we see in the media, on TV, in movies. And so being able to identify those biases and reinform them will help you change and have better perspective on diversity and inclusion in all areas of your life awesome
2: thank you for the work you're doing for this industry i know i speak on behalf of a lot of people and i say we all appreciate it
1: thank you i've really enjoyed this i enjoy having these conversations and just want to encourage everybody to reach out if you feel a little stuck and don't know where to start reach out and let's have a conversation um, i don't think it's a prescriptive thing so i want to have those individual conversations so that we can change the world together. Excellent. All right, Kate. All right, Julie, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.